it went from, hey, I don't want that shot, I'm not gonna do that, to now, I want this shot, when can I get it? So the, the problem I have now is access to the shot. I get a lot of patients who want the shot. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Brian and Josh are joined by Dr. Derek Lewis, the CEO, owner, and primary care physician at Arkansas Primary Care Clinic, located in Little Rock, Arkansas. They discuss the COVID-19 vaccination efforts and success in Dr. Lewis's community. Dr. Lewis describes the initial skepticism of vaccines in the black and brown community, how he was able to publicize his own vaccination in order to promote the vaccine, and what it takes to build trust in a vaccine-hesitant community. These efforts have been so successful that now the main barrier in this community is access, not refusals to get the vaccine. I'm Brian Chaglinski, and I'm the Communications Director here at Allidade, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. Uh, and today we're talking with Dr. Derek Lewis, the CEO, owner, and primary care physician at Arkansas Primary Clinic in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Lewis. Well, thank you. Great. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about your practice and the community you serve. I'm primary care, family practice. I've uh, been here since 19... 19- 87, I'm located on what we call the University Park area on 12th Street, 12th University in Little Rock, which is a great location. It's kind of the, it used to be like the middle class black neighborhood, which pretty much still is. So I have a mixed population of patients from uh, a lot of insurance to Medicare, Medicaid, and so on, and private pay. So it's, it's been nice because I get a mixture of everybody from the disadvantage all the way to the advantage. So it's been pretty good here. And I see some, almost some of every, all kinds of diseases uh, from diabetes, high blood pressure to COVID to everybody. Dr. Lewis, can you tell us how COVID has impacted your community and the patients you serve? Oh man, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, COVID has been real. When it first started, we, none of us knew exactly what to expect. Uh, you know, it was frightening. It was frightening because I do hospital. The hospital was frightening. A lot of the nurses, well, especially even my APN panicked because she had a, the, when we got the first case here in Little Rock, the, one of the nurses that had COVID daughter was in the same school with her. So she panicked and then she immediately left us. So from the practice, you know, we lost employees. Um, and then, you know, we went through all this thing with a lot of hand washing, scared to be around people, scared to even talk to people, touch people, including in the hospital, to closing the, the clinic down because one of the employees went on to Texas one weekend to a water park during the summer and came back sick and then brought COVID to the clinic. So we had to close that down. I did some smart things early on, though. I separated my clinic in half. I had the business side. And the clinic side, I wouldn't let those two sides mix. So what happened was the business side had to shut down, but the the clinical side kept going because they wasn't they didn't intermix. So we came up with some engineering ways where we they sent phones home, uh, where they can make phone calls, call in the patients, and then we stopped seeing patients in the office. So that kind of hurt us on income wise, so a lot really. Uh, we stopped letting people walk into the office. We uh, had a scale down employees and everything was done on the phone with the clinic divided in half. But as we matured a little bit, we kind of opened that up a little bit and we we're gradually letting patients back in the office. 
unfortunately, the very first COVID patient that died was a friend of mine, which is, uh, he came in and that's when we started easing patients back in the office. And, and this was actually the 4th of July weekend. And he came in around the 7th of July and said, hey, guy, uh, yeah, we had a family reunion this weekend. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, we're requiring everybody to take temperatures when you come into the office. And I took his temperature. It was 99. I said, you got a fever? He said, no, I don't, I don't have a fever. I feel okay. He said, well, yeah, but your temperature's 99, so I'm going to have to do a COVID test. But unfortunately, during that time, when I did my COVID test, it takes a week at that time for mine to come back. But three days later, he showed up in the ER with a high fever, couldn't breathe. And then it was down here from there. They admitted him. He ended up on ventilator for about a, several weeks. And then I remember I was playing one afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was playing. They called me and said, hey, your friend just coded. So that affected me personally. That has affected my business in terms of patient, in terms of income. It's been pretty hard. But we're learning ways to survive. We learn ways to adapt and we're adapting. I'm so sorry to hear about that. Um, it just sounds like it's hit so many communities and, and practitioners and physicians personally as well as professionally. Um, it was really interesting to hear about dividing up your practice. I think we normally think of the clinic side as being higher risk and uh, you know the place where most exposures would happen. But it was interesting what you were saying that it was actually because of that division uh, that when there was a risk on the business side, you were able to keep operations going and keep patient care happening at the same time. So really, a really interesting, I think, way to help keep keep the business running and keep folks safe. I mean, on the on the positive side, we are now on you know the verge of a mass vaccination effort, and you know vaccines are picking up across the country. How has the rollout of the vaccine gone in your community, and and how has that been for you in your in your practice? Well. One, I think myself, because I we we I do research and we've had some COVID research done that helped me personally to believe in the vaccine because we're doing some research on the vaccine. Knowing that the black community, black and brown, since I'm a black physician, knowing that the stigma with getting uh, research and shots and stuff like that, the black community came back very skeptical about vaccination and the COVID and how fast it would roll out and about if they were going to be, uh, quote, guinea pigs again to be used for research. So they are very, very skeptical. So what I did to help overcome some of this skepticism, I immediately started calling some of the the black radio stations say, hey, I want to go on air. I want to talk about getting the shot. I talked to my patients about it. And you'd be surprised early on. They were like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait some more people take it. And I said, well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go when the shot roll out, I'm going to go get the shot and I want to be on there. And the radio station said, OK. So the first day, Baptist called and said, hey, you, you can come get your shot and you sign up and come get it. So I was going to just, you know, that day I called the radio station, hey, you know, Baptist called and said I can get the shot. And I, I was thinking that, hey, this guy going to maybe put me on the radio station, the following day or next week and say, Dr. Lewis got a shot. He immediately stopped his program and said, hey, Dr. Lewis, go and get his shot right now. We're going to have him on the street. We're going to have him on there when he get that shot. And he did. I mean, I went to Baptist. They took pictures and the guy had me on the radio station. And then he came back and talked to me how I feel. And then uh, then when I ran that back, I said, I'm feeling fine. I'm doing fine. He said, well, give me a call back next week. So I called back the next week and said, hey, man, I'm doing fine. I don't have any problem. 
And then when I got the second shot, then again, I called and said, hey, I'm getting my shots. He said, hold up. Hey, Dr. Lewis getting that second shot. We're putting him on the air again. And I think when I did that, I heard so many of, of people in my community were so glad to hear that because I was on live. They saw me get the shot. They said, hey, he's still here. He's still around. So now, as it is now, it went from, hey, I don't want that shot. I'm not going to do that. To now, I want this shot. When can I get it? So the, the problem I have now is access to the shot. I get a lot of patients who want the shot. But we can't, you know, they're in different age group. They hadn't, they hadn't done that age group yet. Or they can't get in. Or they'll call. I'll, I'll say, well, you know, they didn't allow me to give it yet. But you may want to call one of the pharmacies. They'll call the pharmacy. They have to get on this long list. Or they can't get through. So the problem now in my community is not that they won't take the shot. It's that they can't. They can't get to the shot. So that's been the issue now. I will say we we did in North Florida at my North Florida clinic. We set up myself and Blue Cross and Blue Shields and Cornerstone, some other pharmacy. Saying I don't want to call them all because I don't leave anybody name. But we set up a uh, in fact, we just it's the second shot this past Saturday. We set up uh, a site over there and because we were trying to get in that, that community some shots and we roll out of that morning about 500 some shots was shocked all over us and we had hispanics we had asian we had afro-american we had euro-americans and they came through and we were surprised about 500 some people showed up to get that shot and then the next day on that sunday the saint mark church was right down the street from this clinic on 12th street about the same thing showed they had a rollout and about almost 500 showed up over there so I think in my community now, the word is out there again, and I think it's access to the shot that's it's the major problem now. It's not the problem that my community don't want the shot. The problem is, is getting, is getting the shot itself and access to the shot. So that's the barrier now. It's not the I don't want to take the shot. Barriers, we can't get it. That is such a good story about how you got your shot and how it was advertised. You know, that people are talking about doing mass advertising campaigns, but this just so speaks to the power of trust and the power of primary care in the communities. Uh, but it is interesting to hear you describe that there was a lot of skepticism at the start. You know, a fair amount has been written that as soon as these shots rolled out, people were saying, well, the black and brown community is gonna be skeptical uh, and be resistant because of the bad history they've had with the medical system. And the response was, don't tell us we're being skeptical, just make sure we can get rides to the clinic, make sure the shots are in places that we have access to, that we can come in you know, at hours where we don't have to be at work. Uh, so it sounds like you're sort of experiencing all that in double speed, where you got through the hesitancy really quickly, and now you're dealing with the access issues. Exactly. And then what I've learned also is people trust people of like uh, similar minds and like mind. And I said it because, you know, I'm a Black physician, and I'm there for this physician. If they see me as a Black physician taking a shot, and they know me, then they're more likely to take the shot. If they're a pharmacy, they trust the pharmacy. I learned that from dealing with the pharmacy out there when I was doing the shots. These guys really trust their pharmacy and they trust their pastors. So if you can get their physician and their minister and the pharmacist on board, I think you'd be surprised the number of people who say, yes, I'm going to get that shot. And I was also surprised, you know, patients are very protective of two class of two people. They're older people, in the young, in the babies and kids, they're like, oh no, you know, get grandma with that shot. Oh no, you don't get to my baby. I was surprised the number of the when we started saying, hey, these elderly people are at high risk. The number of elderly people that the young people start bringing mom and dad out, 
And for other reasons too, because you know, we've been missing them on Thanksgiving, missing them on Christmas, and they want to be able to come around them. So they start bringing them out in groves. So I think the trust level is there now. It's not as access to the shop. It's the biggest problem now. Yeah, it also just speaks to the the critical importance of just diversity in all aspects of the workplace, right? That we, you know, we talk about it as just sometimes as just sort of a, a nice idea, but it really plays out if people are going to be more likely to trust people that they feel like is part of their own community. Exactly. Diversity is very important. Always very important. Uh, I can't, you know, you get that, you get that perfectly. That is exactly what it is. Uh, you have to have diversity in anything. And, 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 and it didn't just mean that, because I have, you didn't mean that every black person is going to come to a black doctor or every white person going to go to a white doctor, because my pop population of patients is about 50-50. So it's a matter of trust and diversity. So you have to have trust. They have to have trust in me, and I have to have trust in the patient. And when you develop that, it doesn't matter what color you are, the patient's going to come. So, and if you do a good job, and you do your, and, and if you communicate well, and you treat people with, with dignity and respect, they will trust you and they're gonna come to you. And they know you're human, you may make a mistake, but they're more inclined to forgive you for that mistake if they know you are trusting, if you're doing your, your best to treat them right and you're doing your best to make sure you do a good job, they're gonna come. And even with this, even with this shot, if they know that I'm sincere about what I'm doing, that I believe in this shot, that I believe it's gonna help all of us in the long run, then they don't mind coming and helping out. It's when we have doubt in the system. If I hadn't done this, or if they came to me and say, hey, are you going to do the shot? And I say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that shot. Then I can't get them to do it. But as long as they know, hey, he believes in what he's doing, he trusts what he's doing, then they're going to come and they're going to get the shot. And when they do that, they're going to tell 10 more of their friends to get the shot too. And, and that's the way we need to do it all the way down the line. Yeah, that's such a good good point of how that kind of snowballs, that trust effect um, and touches people who might not have... Uh, might not have tuned in to the original uh, radio shows, but but still felt like they could trust uh, the vaccine. Um, I'm wondering if if you can think of any uh, individual patient stories or or conversations that you had where um, you know you may have talked to someone who was skeptical and maybe helped them think about it in a new way and kind of what worked and uh, maybe also pitfalls to avoid in, in patient conversations. <laughs> Oh man, let me tell you something. This is interesting because um, the, I, I, have to, I have to clean this up a little bit. The morning that I was on the radio station, you know, I I uh, took the shot, and I was on there, and I was kind of like joking around with the with the with the uh, DJ, and I said, "Yeah, man," I said, "I took this shot," and I said, "You know what? I haven't passed out yet, so I guess I'm not gonna pass out." So. A patient came in uh, maybe a week or so later and said, hey, you took that, I heard you took this shot. He's, then he go, I heard you said it'll make you pass out. And I said, I never said that. He said, that's what I heard. I heard it make you pass out. I said, oh, I said, so this is a black male, huh? So the next time I was on the radio station, I said, hey, man, I took that shot. I said, you know what? I didn't pass out, but guess what I heard? I said, you know what? I think this thing might have helped my sex life a lot. I said, I think I may have hit my sex life. And I said, now the guy that said, I said, I passed out. Tell him I said that. And then the guy came back in and laughed and said, you know what? I heard you say it. I heard you say about that. I think I'll hit the sex life. I think I'm going to take that shot now. <laughs> so, so that's about the best story I can tell you. And that, I cleaned it up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great pitch. <laughs> 
Were there other people you felt like beyond just your example of getting the shot that there were sort of words you used that worked to convince skeptical people? Uh, well, I think most, I think what really has happened is not a lot of the words. I think just my me, myself taking the shot helped a lot of people seeing me take the shot. I think when a lot of stuff on television came out positive, taking the shot, I think when they started, when Dr. Fauci and they started back having the, the, the COVID updates and stuff and what was going on in the world helped, helped us out a lot. And a lot has to do with the radio stations and the television station, you know, putting myself and a lot of people and talking positive about have changed a lot of my patients' mind. I was trying to think of something that what I have said to patients that really changed mind. I really offhand can't think of anything where I just say, hey, you need to do this. Only thing I remind them that if you take this shot, then maybe one day you can travel, you can go home for Thanksgiving, you can go home for Christmas. And that has helped a lot of people leaning them more to us. So, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to go take that shot because I am ready to go home. I'm tired of wearing this mask. And I have to remind them, you know, if everybody take this shot, one day we all can get out of these masks, but we can't do anything right now until we everybody get on board. So that has helped a lot, too, in leading people more towards the shot. But I think probably me going on a radio station probably and going on television and it's been more inspiration to people than anything, I would think. Maybe getting you on this podcast will get a few more patients in for their shots. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> well, Dr. Derek Lewis of Little Rock, Arkansas, we really appreciate not just you're taking the time to speak with us, but for the work you're doing and the example you're setting for your patients. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk. This episode of the ACO Show was produced by Brittany Barnes and Hannah Posner. Our theme music is by Donna Korn. You can find previous episodes on our website, alliday.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ACO Show.